uh, for the past few weeks, we've been talking, um, spending some time talking about what we value and, and what we are trying to build our church life together, um, the things that we build around at Valley Hope. And um, we start with the gospel. And last week, we started with what we mean by community. And this week, we're talking about discipleship and what that, what that means and what our hope and our vision for that is. So I'm going to read from John 15. It's a passage we've, we've talked about before. And really, there's a lot of places we could be. But I think John 15 probably gives the best sort of ethic for discipleship in the Christian life. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Um, this is shortly before he is arrested and then crucified. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father. I have made known to you you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word that speaks to us today. And God, we pray that these words would not just flow over our heads or move around our ears, but God, we pray that they would penetrate our hearts, that we would be moved, shaped, and changed by them. God, we pray that our hearts would be prepared to respond. Lord, would you help me to speak with your word and not, not my own agenda, not my own wisdom, but God, let the wisdom that we have together come from you and you alone. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Did somebody hear something buzz over here? Was that just me? Did you hear that? It's your phone. 
We were using it as a remote soundboard. Where is that thing? It's, oh, there it is. I'm just going to move this where if it buzzes again, it'll just be a little quieter. <clears throat> Pretty cool. We can run sound from over here, even though the soundboard's over there. Um, Jesus here is, uh, this is really a, a larger, this is a larger speech. If you have a red letter Bible uh, where they, they make the words of Jesus red, this is one of the sections of the Bible that's probably like all red for a few pages. Um, it's, a, it's what we refer to as the upper room discourse in the Gospel of John, and it concludes with Jesus praying for his disciples in, in John chapter 17. And, and Jesus uh, here, this is maybe his most, one of his most famous statements about uh, who he is in relationship to the life of the disciple. And Jesus is laying out a vision for what a sustained life with God is meant to be. And in, in my translation, the, the word that keeps getting repeated over and over and over again is abide. And um, that's kind of just a weird word. Um, it, it's maybe in your translation it says remain, uh, which is, is a good word to use. It's probably more understandable for us. What does that mean to, to remain? And what, what I want to suggest to you this morning is that really this is the, the sum target, the total vision and goal of the life of the Christian as a disciple. The, the goal is to remain in Jesus. Um, now, it's, it's not just the goal because he said, this is what you must do, although that is a good enough reason. But it's the... It's his way of describing it explains why that that actually is the goal, to remain in him. So he, he provides this really helpful uh, imagery, this horticultural imagery of a vine and branches. And he says that, that he's the vine and we are the branch so that the life of Jesus, in essence, when you remain in Jesus, when you remain connected to him, when you remain in him, uh, his life flows in and through you. Now, I, I have read this passage many times in my life. If you're a Christian or been around church, you've, you've probably heard it a few dozen times. Um, and I love the parts about vines and branches and stuff. That sounds so lovely. And then I get to the parts about Jesus saying, like, and you'll obey my commands if you're my friend. And if you don't remain in me, you're thrown in the fire with other branches. And I'm like, I don't like that part. I like the, the branch and the vine part. I don't like the part of the fire and the obeying the commands part. Because I, I know me. And um, I'm not great at obeying his commands all the time. And so, in all of this, Jesus says over and over again that this, is really, this whole task is really essentially about his love and you living and acting out of that love to love other people so that your joy may be full. And so I hear Jesus saying, your joy is meant to be full. That's why Jesus came. You're, you're meant to live in this life of, of connected love to God and love for other people. And also, you might be thrown in the fire. And those things feel at odds with one another. And so what I often do is just like read on, just keep going. 
because I don't really want to think about that very much. Combine that struggle with the reality that I, I grew up in churches where I was not handed an expectation of what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus that fit the reality that I experienced. Because nobody ever told me what it was going to be like. I mean, I, I went to a church-going family. We were at church a lot. I heard a lot of sermons. I got sort of the content. I got the basics. But the how part of how that stuff worked into my life and how I was not going to be one of these branches cast into a fire, that, that didn't really sort of connect with me. I just sort of assumed, you know, it's just, it's going to happen. Like, it's going to be a thing that happens to me. I'll be changed and transformed. And as I grew up and became an adult, it just wasn't happening. I mean, not, not to the extent that I that I thought it would, not to the extent that I felt that I needed, because it's just like there's all this sin still in me. And so I would just sort of be like, what do I need to do to get zapped here to, to make this thing go? And what I would love to do with you and for you, if I could, is reach into your mind and in your heart and erase this idea of a linear graph. You know what I mean? Just the X, Y axis with a, a line that just goes straight up like that. And, and I, I wouldn't even want to alter it so it's like this for you. Because I wish that, that it worked that way. That as a function of time, as time goes along, you just got better and you could feel it and you could see the tracking of the progress and, and you knew if you plotted different points like you could track how far up the scale of holiness you were getting and over time you would be able to see that you're truly just becoming better and I just don't think you'll experience life with Jesus that way I, I wish I wish it did work that way it, it doesn't, you know, famously, it doesn't seem to work that way for Paul. Where Paul's own self-description in the New Testament becomes more pessimistic about himself. He, he speaks of himself in worse terms as time goes along. And, and what it feels like so often as you follow Jesus is it feels like you're a mess. And in the more time that you're with him, the more time that you spend following him, it seems like you just become more and more aware of the far-reaching borders of your own messiness. And if your expectation is that if I just, if I sit with God, if I just sort of wait long enough, something's going to happen. And he'll zap me into being the kind of person that I'm supposed to be. Some people feel this frustration and they, they give up. They abandon, they abandon hope in the task 
because they just say, this is not working for me. And so, whatever, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Um, Jesus is going to love me no matter what, I guess, I think. I'll go to church sometimes, you know, whatever. Hopefully, I'll catch a wave here and get carried in and it'll be good enough, good enough to go. And yet, if, if you listen to the voice of the church, if you listen to the voice of Christians over time, they will describe their understanding of what this looks like in, in terms that to me began to make a lot more sense, which is that following Jesus is, is a lot more akin to training. It's a, lot, it's a lot more like being in the gym than it is like sitting around waiting for the holy microwave button to be pushed or for the tidal wave to catch you. That it is a lot more like the slow accumulation of skills, of work done in, through, and by you to over time transform you into a different kind of person that you were. And it happens so slowly over time that it feels at times like nothing is happening. And when I, when I began to see the early church, the church through time, talk about Christian growth that way, I, for me, something clicked. And I, and I realized I'm not, not weird. I mean, I'm weird. But I'm not weird in that regard. I, it turns out I'm actually just like every other Christian ever. ever. Because when Jesus is telling us here, remain in me, he is talking about something that's difficult. <laughs> Remaining is not passive sitting. It, it is the work of a lifetime to keep coming back to Jesus over and over and over again even in the difficulty and the sorrows of this world. So I, I brought up a prop, which I never do. One time I used a stool and it freaked people out. Apparently, um, this is a golf club, if you don't know. This is, uh, this is a driver, if you're wondering. If you don't know about golf, that's fine. You're about to learn so much. Uh, about three years ago, I started playing golf because of the pandemic and you could be outside by yourself and if you're really frustrated, you can try to hit a little ball really hard, which I found really appealing. Um, I, I generally just like any sport, all sports. Um, I'll watch anything. Um, and I liked this game. I didn't grow up playing this game. Um, I, I grew up as a little kid playing baseball, and this was like something similar in my head that I could just swing and hit hard. And it turns out it's actually very, very difficult to do that. Um, this, this is the one that you, you have like, you have 14 clubs in your bag. This is the one that you use to hit it really far. Um, this is my nemesis. It's the biggest one, right? You can see this. And it, it was so hard for me to make the ball go where I wanted to. And just if you're not aware, the golf ball actually doesn't move. It's just sitting there on a little stick, taunting you. I cannot hit a, a standing target. 
Um, and so when I would hit the ball really, really hard, um, the ball, instead of going there, would go like there, usually there, over and over again, that way, injuring small children and killing animals. Um, so uh, I, I, I started to try to get help to figure out how to do this. Um, and uh, I paid somebody $50 online so I could send them videos of me swinging this thing over and over again. They could tell me what was wrong. Turns out you're supposed to hit this in the middle. Again, it doesn't move. I'm the only part of this process moving. If you hit this ball in the middle, like right here, especially right here, upper middle, it will go very far. If you hit the ball here, it will go like this, left. I never hit it here. I hit the ball right here, over and over and over and over again. Just variations of this spot right here. And the guy very patiently told me how not to kill people so much anymore um, or to do it less. And so I would practice and I practice and I practice and I practice. And slowly, instead of just like I'd hit it anywhere across here, I'd start to get closer and closer to the middle. And I got better and better at doing this. Um, not great, but less dangerous to other people. And I started to be able to hit the ball pretty far, above average, far. And I was proud of myself. And then one day I went to practice to warm up, to go play. And I cannot tell you what happened. But it was like my hands had never held this golf club before. I, it, I picked it up and I was like, what, what is happening? I, and I don't mean swinging. I mean, I was literally holding it like, do you do this? Do you do this? Do you do this? I couldn't, I didn't know what was going on. And when I tried to hit it, everything went like there, like not there, there. It would barely go. It was so frustrating. I was like, this is my head. I'm a psychopath. I tried to work it out, take everything that I knew and figure it out myself. I, I was slightly better. I tried to fix myself. Uh, I went to play at this place all day that I'd wanted to play for years. It's like a special golf place that I didn't deserve to be at, even the best of times. And I was awful. For hours and hours, I was awful. So I was like, I need my friend, I'm sending you some videos of me swinging. And um, I was almost in tears, just broken as a man, shell of myself. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. If I got hurt or something, this would make more sense. What is wrong besides being insane? And, you know, he, he's an expert. He's got way more experience than me. And you know what, what happened? He saw my video and he stopped it. He said, you know, your hands are forward when you're swinging by a few inches. And if you move them back a little bit, you'll probably be all right. And I was like, well, that is incredibly simple and frustrating that it would be so simple. And I, and I went to go do what he, he told me to do. I practiced doing that. And just over and over and over again, it was hard for me to just move a few inches, a few inches. 
And I, I sprayed uh, foot spray odor eaters on, over here so I can see where the ball is hitting. And I would try so hard to move one inch this way over and over and over again. And, I, and what I tried to do actually is make the ball hit all the way over here. And I could try as hard as I could and I could barely move it to the middle. And then over the course of an hour, I did exactly what he told me to do and the ball started flying again. Strike. We have things going on inside of our hearts that we do not understand. We, we start to figure out the things that are in, wrong inside of us when we start seeing these m massive behavioral miscorrections out in the world. It, it can look like a lot of things, right? It, it can look like inappropriate reactions of anger. It can look like the inability to forgive. It can, it can look like despair. It can look like, and it doesn't make sense. We just think we're doing our normal life, but the, the, the output is different. And we are blind to ourselves. We can't, we have no idea how to, how to fix ourselves. And I mean, I'm terrible at golf, awful. I mean, even when I'm doing that well, I'm doing everything else poorly. Please hear me, I'm a terrible golfer. But I, I had no chance because I couldn't see myself. And I didn't know what I should be doing. I needed somebody else, a friend, a guide, to look at me from the outside and say, you know, you, you are not, you're not so far as you think. And if you just would move a little bit this way and correct this little bit, remaining in the middle of that club will get a lot easier. And, and that is pretty much the whole task of Christian discipleship. It is the, it is the constant reevaluation of the things that make you deviate from the middle of remaining with Jesus. Because the further you move away from him, the messier the outcomes will be. You will be so deviated in your behavior and your thoughts and the patterns of your life. And what you're being invited into in a life of discipleship, when Jesus is telling you actively remain with me, is to be engaged in this constant practice of moving back to the middle with him. Because he actually is your source in your life. And the reason why it's so important to hear that, that we value community is because you are not meant to do that alone. Because what Jesus is talking about in abiding in me, remaining in me, is not merely the accumulation of knowledge, which you can do by yourself. You can do that 
now better than at any time in, the, in, in some point in history. You have access to way better preachers and teachers than me for free. More than you could ever listen to. Find podcasts, watch YouTube videos, and you can acquire knowledge for yourself, which is great. And it's a piece, it is a part of discipleship. But it is not close to the sum total of the game. Because what you actually need are people who can look at you and see what you cannot and tell you, look, you, you are off here. And it is causing damage in your life and the life of others. You, you have deviated from the center of life. And, and only other people who are actually in your life can tell you that. Podcasts cannot tell you that. YouTube cannot tell you that. To be frank, you just coming here on Sunday is not going to do that for you. All of these things are, are great. It can be a piece. It can be a component of following Jesus. But we're not just after the transformation of your mind. That is an important part of following Jesus. But the passive reception of, of data, of information, is only a slim portion of what Jesus wants for you. He wants your life to be rooted in his. And that is the work of a lifetime. It, it, really, is, it really is the target that does not move. While you, as a, as a fickle, faulty, sinful person, are slowly and frequently moving in and out of being able to find that target. As you grow and mature in following Jesus, you, you will get better. You will, get, you will find yourself being better at it. You know, as you begin in prayer, prayer might be incredibly difficult. It's boring, right? It can be quite boring to learn to pray. But when you become used to the rhythms of it, prayer becomes more natural to you, more comfortable to you. And then something in your life will change. You will suffer. You will be promoted. You will be disappointed. You will be sinned against. And all of a sudden it feels like prayer is difficult all over again. And it's not that Jesus has moved. It's that you have and in the moving and the shaping and the changing and the shifting of your life, new things are being unearthed in you. So it, it will f this is the feeling that you get when you're saying, I'm not progressing. Well, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> because God is progressing with you. It's just not a skill set that you put in your pocket and leave behind. It is the unearthing and reorganizing of your own personality under the direction and lordship of Jesus. This is the life of discipleship. This is what happens when the good news is true. We talked about how the gospel is a proclamation 
that Jesus is king. And discipleship is the process of the, the, the borderlands and the territory of your own life gradually falling down to his own conquest. And it, it is meant to only happen in the context not just of you and Jesus and your Bible, which is great, but you and Jesus and your Bible and all these other people and their Bibles because they'll see things about you that you cannot and you'll see things about them that they cannot see and you will learn this thing that Jesus talks about. You will learn to love. If you hear it again and again, Jesus comes back to this. The sum of his commandments that he wants you to learn is to learn to love one another, to reflect the love of the Father. He, he will come as the all-conquering king, but the force of his own conquest is the relentless force of his love for you. And when over the lifetime of this seeming like in and out, hit and miss, up and down, over the years, the ordinary practice of learning to come back to Jesus and remain in him will make your joy full. Because see, this is what Jesus wants for you. He wants your joy to be full. He wants your life to be fruitful. He wants you to be full of his own life and love. And he, he will, the Father, he says, will come. And he will cut you. He'll cut off the things in you that divert you away from the kind of life and love that he has for you. If you think that that life of discipleship looks like sitting alone, listening to some podcasts, you are sorely mistaken. If, if you are looking for an easy, no-cost way to grow more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus, it ain't going to happen. But what Jesus offers is better than that. Because when this happens in your life, as you participate and practice with him, and Jesus truly more and more becomes your own king, you find that the vision of the kingdom that he presents is the most compelling and beautiful thing that you've ever seen in your life. Only in Jesus' kingdom would it make sense that the meek would inherit the earth. Only in Jesus' kingdom would it make sense to love and forgive your enemies. Only in Jesus' kingdom can you face the sorrow of death and have joy, as he talks about in John 16. And that is the slow accumulation of the great love of God in the life of his people, in the life of discipleship. At Valley Hope, we do not want you to be passive participants. We do not want to sit in the room together and just wait for the Holy Spirit to microwave us into some other state. 
We want to live as a community together under his rule and reign and be transformed by and through his own love. And if you are here today as somebody who's frequently come to Valley Hope, maybe you're a member of Valley Hope, and you are looking at your own life and say, you know what, I am not practicing. (laughs) I'm playing my own game. I'm doing my own thing. The words of Jesus are for you this morning. This, This is your life. Remain with him. And and the good news is that Jesus is not far from you. That is, is, you know, when I'm taking this stupid golf club and, and trying so hard and having so many bad habits, that's the agonizing frustration of it, is that I'm like two finger widths away from the good part. And what I would say to you is, you are not far off. You're not. If you have the accumulated life, like you have weeks and weeks, months, maybe years, of cold-hearted drifting from God, you may think what God will require of you is to pay back those years with obedience. And then you can crawl your way back to him. And the good news is he is a lot better than you are. He's actually very close to you. And if you would today throw open your hands and say, I'm so tired of this. I want to be with you. He will open the door. He will not withhold from you. He is so near to hand and he runs to his people. So if today your heart has been cold and you've been distant, come home. And if you have been just living forever your own life, you've lived for yourself entirely under the direction of your own rule and reign, there's a different life available for you today. A kind of in fullness of life that is, can only be described as divine. It is, it is available to you now and over the long haul of your life so that you will receive, as Jesus says, his joy. But your joy will be even more full because he will one day deliver you into the fullness of all joy where sorrow will be dead And the grave will be buried. And you'll be free from all that pushes in on you. Today, you should come and remain in Jesus. Receive the word that he has and receive, as he says, this call to friendship with God. And he offers that to you now, entirely on the basis of his own goodness and none of your own. Because that's just how good he is. Today, if you hear his voice, come home with him. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you are good and that you invite us to a life of ever-deepening goodness and love. 
our, our instinct is to, to put everything on a scale, to, to measure the correctness of our behavior and to evaluate your own feeling toward us based on our ability to perform. We, we want it all to be easier. We want to just be better. We, we just want to have our own life and all the benefits of yours without having to change anything. We, we confess we are conflicted people. One minute this all makes sense and our life is aimed in your direction and the next minute we just live for ourselves and we just, God, it's exhausting. And Father, I pray for everybody who's exhausted and tired this morning that it feels like they are so far. For, for the people that are yours, that are your friends already, but have been doing their own thing or have grown to despair at their own sin. God, I pray that you will make clear that you're close to them and that when you invite them to remain in you, you are not doing it from a distance, but you are close. And Father, I pray for those who have never known you, never trusted you, but have instead clung to their own life and self-rule. God, I pray that you would show them the possibilities of having a life full of the fullness of God, as Paul prayed in Ephesians. And I pray that that fullness would beckon them and, and win them in. God, let us be a people together who are marked by the cross, by the testimony of God's own love for his people that is for us now and forever. We thank you for this, Lord Jesus. Amen.